0: God has the final say amen Amen. thank you Susan that was powerful you can be seated for the reading of the word today you've been up and down a lot we're going to go to Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 through 8 Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 through 8 then we're going to jump down to chapter 3 read verse 8 12 and 13 Ezekiel 2 and this is what the word of the Lord says and he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and he set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day, for they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt... Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house. Yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them; neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou though thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house, and though. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not, be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Now, chapter 3, verse 8, then I'm going to jump down once again to verse 12 and 13. 3, verse 8. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. Verse 12. And the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from this place. I heard also the noise of wings of living creatures that touch one another, and the noise of wheels over against them, and a noise of a great rushing let us pray lord we thank you for the truth of your word we pray as pastor comes lord you would give him liberty and anointing to preach the word of the lord which you have placed in his soul and i pray we be ready for that word today move and do your work lord we want your will be done in this house in jesus name amen thank
1: you brother zach good to see everybody in the house of the lord and i'm going to get right into the word of the lord this morning I feel like the Lord has given me a message that's going to bless and encourage us and challenge each and every one of us. This morning, all over the nation, we are celebrating what we call Pentecost, and I know it seems like that we're wearing that topic out in the last few weeks, but it is what the Lord is speaking in this hour. As a matter of fact, the rhema word for this hour is Pentecost. A lot of people say, well, what does that word mean, rhema? Why do you mean a rhema word? Well, the word rhema just means an utterance or a spoken word in season. Or to best describe it, it is a now word, a word for this season, this time, and this hour to his people. It is a relevant word. It's a word that you and I need to take hold of. It's a now word that God is declaring over his people. Though Pentecost was a feast celebrated in the Old Testament 50 days after Passover, yet Pentecost is very much to be celebrated and observed today at this very hour among his people in the 21st century. Pentecost Pentecost is not something that we look back to, but it's something that we must embrace, experience, and accept now as a church. We must never denounce or never back up on being a Pentecostal church. Unequivocally and without apology, we at the Palace of Praise are a Pentecostal church. How many Pentecostals do I have out here in this service this morning? Can I have an amen? Are you Pentecost? Are you ashamed of it? Let's hear you shout unto the Lord here this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I refuse to be apologetic for our spirited worship and our spirit-filled services where there's spontaneity of the Holy Ghost and spiritual breakouts and manifestation of the spirit begin to manifest and happen and are displayed in our services. This is who we are and it will be who we will continually be. I'm not backing down on that one bit. I refuse to tame the atmosphere of the church to make our services more platable to the mainstream American culture. I refuse to tone down our passion, compromise our beliefs, uh, and quench our experience, all for the sake to find acceptance with other churches uh, and with the modern-day religious atmosphere that is in a lot of places. My goal is not to fit into this culture, and I've said this over and over and over again, but my goal is to be a counterculture here at the Palace of Praise, because I truly believe that that, that it is the joy that is celebrated in our Pentecostal services that is attracting the hurting and the wounded people of our society. I believe our world and our region is tired and crying out, tired of religion, and they're crying out for something real and powerful and authentic. I believe that the world is tired of a watered down Christianity. How many believe that? How many is you know, hungry for something authentic, something real, something moving, something alive where there's resurrection power? Like one church leader said, and I've quoted this guy several times before, but this quote is so powerful. He's over a major organization, and this is what he said. As we move to, move to be more like you Pentecostals, you seem to be attempting to be more like us mainstream evangelicals. I am not only not going to tone down our services, but I'm going to fuel the fire. I'm going to throw a the log on the fire. Can I have an amen? And I'm out to set an atmosphere that is conducive to the Holy Spirit so that we can become the breeding grounds for the miraculous. I'm ready for the miraculous to be taking place every single service as if it's a common thing. Amen? I'm not going to preach to you about the feast days and about the day of Pentecost because Brother Randy done a tremendous job of that last Sunday. I know it's Pentecostal Sunday, but what I'm going to be preaching to you and revealing to you is the importance of of the Holy Spirit empowerment and anointing upon us as the people of God in these last days. Folks, you can say whatever you want to say, but without the Spirit, we are absolutely nothing. We have to have the indwelling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our church services. Here within our text, we see that God calls Ezekiel to a hard and an unpleasant task. Sometimes when God calls us to an unpleasant our task, they're unpleasant and they're hard. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. And again, as you look at the context of that, you think, wow, that's a hard scene. That is a hard task And you and I also have a task We have a mission, we have a calling In this 21st century But Ezekiel's assignment was to a rebellious crowd And they were a people who had become Hostile toward the principles of God They were a people that not only uh, Shifted away from the Lord But also they had become A generation that stood against The spiritual and had departed From a godly heritage They had become literally Hostile and they were in to the principles of God, they weren't just backsliding within nature, but they were defiant toward anything that was Godly or anything that was good, and even against God Himself. A new statistic just came out in our nation that is so alarming to me. It kind of made me just think, really, I did not really fully comprehend. Uh, that that was where our nation was at. Sometimes you get blown away by statistics. uh, But they say that 48% of the millennials that were polled said that they did not know God, they did not believe in God, and they did not care. Did you hear that? 48% of all millennials that were polled said that they did not know God, they did not believe in God, and they did not even care. This means that almost half of the people that were born from 1981 to 1996 which represents the ages between 25 years old and 40 years old do not know God, believe in God and even care this means that over one half almost over almost uh, 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 one half of those bearing and raising children are raising them not only in a godless home but a home that is anti-God and hostile toward the things of the spiritual it's one thing to be a sinner But it's another thing to be agnostic. But it's even more disastrous to have a people in a nation that is atheist. Maybe we can understand why Generation X and Generation Y are the way that they are. This is the challenge of the church in the 21st century. How do you minister to a people that have been mentored by those who claim that there is no God? How do you reach a generation that has been mentored by a people who not just just ignores or is passionate, Toward the things of the spirit, like in my generation, you know, back in my generation, people kind of ignored the spiritual. They were passive in it. They didn't fully obey it. They didn't fully pursue it, but they believed in it. And that's a big difference in the kind of generation we have now. But now we have uh, we have children that have been mentored by people who are defiant, who are hostile, and who are totally against the spiritual. Ezekiel chapter two verse four says, "For they are impudent children." And stiff-necked, and I do send them unto them, saith the. And I do send you unto them. This saith the Lord God. First of all, it says They're imprudent children. That this means that they're not showing any kind of care for the consequences that happen to them. In other words, uh, I know this is what you say is going to happen to us if we don't do this, 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 and it. But we don't care. We don't even care what takes place. Uh, what kind of people is that? This is not a good assignment for Ezekiel. It's not exactly the audience that a preacher our prophet would want to, to try to minister to. Could you imagine going up and preaching to people and they didn't even care what you preached. They didn't even care what the outcome would be, whether they obey you or not. They wouldn't care if there was any kind of, of, of consequences or serious actions on God's behalf of coming against them. Their resistance, their stiffness of heart, he calls them stiffness of heart as well, has caused them to become cold and indifferent toward God and his word. And to be stiff. stiff. Stiff hearted or to be stiff necked means to to be stubborn, to be set in their ways. And it reveals a lack of uh, tenderness or uh, unwillingness to change. It reveals that they have their mind set, their mind is made up, and it will not be easily to move or to persuade or to reach these people. This is what God tells Ezekiel. You're going to go preach to a stubborn people, a rebellious people, imprudent people. These people are hard. These people are defiant. These people are against you. These people hate what you preach and what you represent. That is, my friend, is a hard crowd to preach to. This generation will be a resistant generation driven by a sense of indifference and settled stiffness of heart is what God tells Ezekiel. This speaks of the last day generation as well that Paul reveals in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 through 4. Now, we could dissect the scripture and give you all kinds of other other things it said about the end time people but Paul pretty well sums it up he says in verse 1 of 2nd Timothy chapter 3 this know also that in the last days perilous times is going to come dangerous times dark times hard times hideous times for men this is the reason why for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection they're not even going to know whether they're male or female They're going to be marrying the same sex, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God and the list goes on and on and on. I don't think I have to give you more examples of how ungodly and unholy the last day generation will be because this is what Paul's talking about. Even Jesus said because iniquity is going to abound in the last days, the love of many is even going to wax cold. That's how bad it's going to be. But just like Ezekiel, we are called to reach these people and to preach the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Whether we like what we see or not, it's not for us to sit around and gripe about our nation. It's about Given our nation hope can i have an amen we have an answer even though they're imprudent even though they're hostile towards the things of god there is a defiance against the church of jesus christ right now And you can get mad, and you can get a spirit of hate in your heart, and you can get angry, and you can get self-righteous, and you can do all that you want, but that's not what America needs. America needs a turnaround by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? Somebody give the Lord praise in this house. Just like Ezekiel that is sent to a hard task, you and I are sent to a hard task, in Ezekiel 2, verse 6 of our text, it says, And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though though briars and thorns are with thee and thou doest dwell among scorpions be not afraid of the words nor dismayed at their looks though they be a rebellious house. Now God looks down upon these people and he has some harsh names to call them and this is God's view of them that they're thorns, that they're briars, that they're scorpions. You remember what John the Baptist called the religious sect in his day? Vipers and snakes and hypocrites. And I want to tell you some people say wow that's some harsh. Wouldn't you hate for God to look down and view you that way? That's the way that God viewed these people. He said, Ezekiel, you're among thorns. You're among briars. You're among, the, uh, you're, you're among scorpions. That's who you're faced with with this day. Here he reveals that their reaction is going to be bold and confrontational and their style is going to be very intimidating. He says when you go up to this crowd, they're not going to like you. They're going to oppose you. They're going to stand in Opposition against you, they're not gonna like what you preach. Oh, I love it back in the 1950s when Oral Robert and Billy Graham and all of them were having their tent crusades and people were hungry to hear the spiritual, and people come flocking in by the thousands. This crowd is not that way. They're not really wanting to hear it. They're not wanting, to, and let me tell you, folks, if you don't believe what I'm preaching is true, our American culture has become the same way as these people. They are in defiant towards the church they're after the church they're trying to shut the church down they're trying to shut the mouth of the church they're trying to shut the doors of the church they're doing everything they can to get laws into place that will come against the church to where the church will no longer exist but I've got a bad news for them there's too many Ezekiels in the land (laughs) hallelujah I've got news for America you can say shut up all you want to but there's going to be a fire in the brand hallelujah There's still a voice in the thicket among the thorns and among, among the briars. There's still some people that's not afraid of the scorpion sting and the scorpions. There's some people that's still courageous, that's gonna stand tall and still believe in what Susan sung. The impossible shall become possible because nothing is impossible to them that believe in God. Can I have an amen in the house? Oh, Lord, help me. He reveals that their presence is going to be threatening. The words are going to be chilling, meant to bring fear to try to control us. They're going to try to put a, a spirit of fear. What is the number one thing that is being shoved down the church's throat right now is a spirit of fear. Fear of a COVID. Fear of the IRS. Fear of this. Fear of that. Come on. Somebody help me preach. Their attitude is going to be full of of rejecting, cutting, and penetrating words and actions, and their glare is gonna be like a barbed glare. Their glare, their look, their proud look is gonna look intimidating. Haven't you ever seen somebody and just fear come upon you just by their looks? That's what he said this generation would be like. This is what you're going up against, Ezekiel. Their sting of rejection will be like a scorpion's sting, he says. Their treatment will have the potential to deliver an emotional toxic poison into the inner man, trying to get us to back down and abort the end time harvest and make us think that there is no hope for such a a people as this. Even with all this in mind, God still says, is he killed? Go preach to them. Look at verse chapter three, verse four says, and he said unto me, Son of Man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. Don't speak your words. He said, You go and you preach my word unto them. This was not a time for the prophet, the prophet to be silent. The delivery of the word, folks, is not always given in convenient times. I want you to know I love it when we come together like this and I get to preach to you and we get to have great services but I want to tell you the word is not only to be preached in the house, it's to be preached in the field. Can I have an amen? The nation was at stake. The security of the children and grandchildren and their generation was all on the line here and can I tell you this is exactly where we are at today in America. Our nation is on the line. Our children's lives are at stake. Our generations to come are in trouble if something does not change. If we do not see a great awakening in this nation, this nation will be lost forever and it will be taken over and it will be destroyed. The only hope that this nation has is a return back to God. We need the echoes of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out from sea to shining seas, to the north, to the south, to the east and the west. We have to declare the word of the Lord in this generation. We must fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ where he told us in the book of Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 that all power is given in him in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the world. The word is the only answer for the crisis that America faces. We have to get back to the word of God. The word is to be declared in the dark so the glorious light of the the gospel of Jesus Christ can shine upon their hearts. You know, we quote it all the time, Second Chronicles 7 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land, I will forgive their sins. I want to tell you, how do we accomplish such a task? And is it even impossible to change the world in you, which you and I live in? When you turn on the news, it's almost like hope. I quit watching the news. It's so depressing and it seems like we're losing at every hand. Our rights are being taken away. More laws are being pushed and pushed and pushed that's anti-God, anti-Christ. And I want to tell you, and when you look at it, you get angry and you can get full of hostility and you can get depressed. And I just decided I'm not going to watch it anymore and I'm just going to get in my prayer corner and seek the face of God and believe that God's about to do a turnaround in our country. How many believe that God's about to do a turnaround in the country? country if you believe it stand to your feet and give him praise in advance have an open declaration of it here today give him a shout of victory like you really believe that our nation is going to be turned around oh god help me preach I believe what I'm preaching here today this ain't just something I've dreamed up this ain't something that I'm hoping about. This ain't something I'm dreaming about. This ain't something I'm sitting back and putting together. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me and told me, look for the impossible to become possible. And looked at those things that are not as though they were. I'm about to move, saith the Lord of hosts. i give him praise before you're seated. Well, Glory. How do we accomplish such a task? And even is it possible? First thing, God says Ezekiel is found in our text in verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1, and he said unto me, son of man, stand up on my feet and I will speak unto thee. To stand on his feet was more than just placing himself in a position. comes from a Hebrew word that means come attention, wake up, be alert, I'm about to say something to you. Hearing God was contingent upon him being brought to attention and him becoming awake. I want to tell you, the number one thing that we need to have, have happen to the palace of praise is that we hear from God. Come on, not just read the word, but hear from the word. Perceive what it says. Come on. It was like a call to attention, like an army would gather together at a certain sound. And God is saying, come to attention. Wake up. Be alert. The first thing the church has to do is to wake up. Amen? We have to get out of the slumber and the sleep and see the seriousness of our times. This is why the Paul said in Romans 13 and 11, and that knowing the time. It's important that we know the time. I was ministering to one of my family members here the other day, and I was telling them the timetable that we they sit there and just like this guy's crazy. They don't know the time, they don't see the times, they don't understand the time, they don't have any kind of biblical perception. But Paul said, and that knowing the time, that now, say now. now, it's high time to awake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we ever believed. That the rapture of the church is closer than what you and I can ever even anticipate. The end time is here, it's upon us. And the closer the end time gets, the more attentive Paul says that we must become, but it seems like the, it's we have become more duller. That it seems like the closer the sick it coming gets, the darker it gets and the more duller things get. As a whole, the nation is rocked and cradled to sleep. By the enemy, and we do the, and we do not see the seriousness of our times, just like Delilah seducing the mighty Samson. He had his head in her lap, and he fell asleep, and she cut his hair, and he lost his strength because his strength was in his hair. Even so, the church has lost their spiritual strength, just like that of Samson, due to us going to a slumbering sleep by the seduction of our enemy. And let me tell you, we have lost our ability to flex our spiritual muscle in the land. If there's one thing that God needs in the land is a church that can flex its spiritual muscle And show the wonderful workings of God Can I have an amen It is somebody that's able to proclaim something Under the anointing that breaks yokes and bondage of sin It's somebody not just getting up and saying Well I believe in God Well, And, just, and being passive about the things of God It's a firebrand who comes out of the thicket preaching Like John the Baptist Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand can I have an amen? Therefore, because there is no real firebrands in, in the land, there's no more movement of God in the land and no representation of him, no living epistles, no lively stones anymore. This is why that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 34 awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak to this to their shame. Listen to what Paul says there's no knowledge because there's no light, there's no enlightenment anymore. Due to drowsiness and sleep, he said, "You can't perceive what God's saying when you're drowsy." Have you ever been half awake? You can't. Ginny'll come in some mornings and say something to me, and she might as well have not said, "I can't." I, she's got to wake me up. I got to be awake for thirty minutes before I can understand what you're saying. Anybody else like that? She'll come in there, shake me a little bit, and it's like Charlie Brown. I don't know what she said. i just shake my head in agreement. I have no idea what I agree to. I should have never told her that because she's going to come in. I'm getting $100 out of your wallet. Amen. But that, that's what Paul said, said. There is no real understanding, no perception, no enlightenment, no understanding, no spiritual discernment due to the fact you're asleep. You can't hear from God. You can't have a clear vision from God. The things of the Spirit are not relevant to you. Come on now. Our nation should not be in the shape that it's in. And Paul said, I speak to this to your shame. The church has been asleep too long and we're full of apathy. We've accepted a life of mediocrity. We are a lukewarm generation at its best. We have to awake. Ephesians 5 and 14 says, Wherefore God says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. He'll give you understanding. He'll give you knowledge and perception and enlightenment. Before we can do anything, we have to become aware. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, not, you might not believe in the things I believe in, and that's okay. But I want to tell you, I still believe in symbolic action. I still believe that when you believe something, you put it to action, even though that you don't see the results of it as of yet. Some of you say, well, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, yes, you do, because you take communion. It's symbolic. Water baptism is symbolic action. Anointing with oil symbolic action. I've seen some of you anoint handkerchiefs like Paul did. That's symbolic action. Come on, somebody help me preach. We got a, I got a little group of prayer of men that I meet with with prayer on Monday nights. And uh, the Lord had spoken to me, told me to form the group, told me who to start with. And said, obey my voice. Don't build it too fast. Just, just wait until I speak to you. And uh, there's uh, a group of us now, and we started in my office. And the Lord said, you. It just seemed like it wasn't getting off the ground. We would pray, and, and the Lord was honoring prayer, and the Lord understood that. But it just wasn't what I thought that the that the what what I thought God was going to do. It just wasn't happening. And the Lord said, you have not obeyed my voice. I said, so And He said, I told you to pray out on the porch of the church. And, you know, you say, well, what's location got to do with it? I don't know. He told the d- disciples to go to Jerusalem, and they had to tear you there. There's places uh, that God wants to position you in in order to give you the blessing, and there's reasons why. And we don't have to understand all the reasons why. Come on. God spoke to us to go out on that, on that, on that porch, and when we did, we went to an all-new level. And I mean God began to move in those prayer meetings. And one of those prayer meetings, God spoke to him, and he said, you call Matt Romines, and you tell him to get the shofar and at 10.50, or the trumpet, and they and said, uh, you tell him to get whatever he prefers, and you tell him to blow that shofar at 10.15 every single Sunday morning. And this is what I want you to tell him to blow. There is the sound, many different sounds of the shofar in the Old Testament when you study them out. Won't go through them all because that's not my message. But one of the sounds was awake. When they heard a certain distinct sound, it meant awake, come attention, amen? And then there was one that was assembly. It meant to assemble. It was time for the gathering, for them to come and gather around for public worship. And God spoke to me and said, you tell him to blow those two distinct sounds. So I went on the Internet and found a rabbi, downloaded everything that I could find about those two sounds. And I was listening to all the different sounds. There's a sound of alarm which says war, get ready. You know, there's all kinds of different kinds of things. And I was listening to those distinct different sounds. And I thought, well, i got to get that from Matt. Matt don't know anything about that. And I called him up and I said, Matt, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. And I was going to tell him that I had them on disc or had them, and I'd try to send them to him so he could practice them. I said, Matt, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Oh, my goodness. He got all excited. He said, oh, I feel like God's in this thing. And I said, yeah, me too, Matt. He said, I've been studying that. I've already been practicing. I know how to sound them. And every Sunday morning at 1015, there's a strange and a distinct sound that happens here at the Palace of Praise upon this hill. He goes out there right where we've been praying and he begins to blow the shofar of an awakening. And he begins to blow the shofar of assembly. Two things are gonna happen and you mark my words. First of all, God's got the intention to awake and arouse this region to revival. (laughs) Woo! Do you hear what I'm saying? I am proclaiming an awesome declaration over us. When Matt gets out there and blows that sound, there's something spiritually happened, whether we realize it or not, whether you like it or not. You say, Oh, don't be a fanatic. And people's going to make fun of you. When other churches hear somebody blowing a shofar, they're going to say, Y'all returning back to the Old Testament and y'all are under the law, la, la, la. I don't care what they say. Mock on, mock on, mock on. But I want to tell you before the sound is done, before it's over, it's going to echo down through that valley, over the hills. There's going to be a stirring of the Holy Ghost and there's coming an awakening to this region. <clears throat> say what you want to say. but resist it, be defiant. It don't matter. We're going to proclaim it like Ezekiel. I've never really cared what people said anyway. And then when it's, that movement gets happening, right behind it comes the sound of assembly. Woohoo! they're coming. The harvest is coming. Praise of praise, I said the harvest is coming. Can I have an amen? Everything. The harvest, our mission, our survival, our nation, our life depends on verse 2 of our text. And the Spirit entered into me, and he spake unto me. He set me up on my feet. that I heard him that spake unto me. There's times that Jenny, when she's talking to me and I'm watching television, she'll say, like your wife says to 99.9% of all you other men, and if it's not happening, it's because you're not married. She'll say to me, you ain't heard a word I said. Hello? What are you laughing about, Chuck? You hear April's voice. You ain't heard a word I said. Chuck, I've been talking to you for 15 minutes. You ain't heard a word I have said. Amen. I say, I do, did so, and I'll tell her what I heard. And then she'll say to me, you're hearing, but you're not listening, you're not taking it to heart, you're not paying attention, you're not attentive, you're, you're not discerning, and it's not registering with you. You're hearing, but you're not listening. Now, Bill, you don't have to obey me, uh, uh, amen me that much, because that's against me right now. Folks, there is hearing and there is hearing. Amen. It's like your mom telling you to do something versus your dad telling you to do something. I remember when I was a little boy, mom, Kent, take out that trash. Kent, I told you to take out that trash. 20 minutes later, Kent, I'm going to wear you out if you don't take that trash out. 30 minutes later, Kent, are you going to take that trash out? Dad come in, boy, take out the trash. Yes, sir. There wasn't a second talk, third talk. Bill Miller never said, I'm going to give you five seconds to obey. One, two, get the trash. Yes, sir. If you didn't, you got bopped. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a difference in hearing and hearing. This thing was Ezekiel was no ordinary conversation. This was no ordinary chat. This was no casual thing. This was a thing of the spirit. This was Abba Father talking through the Holy Ghost. Ezekiel said when he spoke, I heard him. I then felt the Spirit come into me. Something happened on hearing the Word of God. Enlightenment presence came into him. Then he confessed, I was lifted, elevated, and I raised to my feet. In other words, I come attentive. My mom used to come and try to wake me up for school because my dad would go to work earlier than her. And she'd come in there and she'd bop on me and finally one cold winter morning, it was so cold in our whole house. She said, I'll get you up. And she took all the cover. Just took it off. He'll get up now. So I crawled between the box springs and the mattress. <laughs> and went back to sleep. Amen. And she'd come in there and she kept looking for me and she finally pulled that back and seen me. And can't get up. And I just act like I wasn't, couldn't wait. And she thought I died. She thought I'd smothered under that mattress. So I just laid there. And finally, she was getting all teary-eyed and carrying on, and she seen a middle of movement me, and she grabbed me by the head of the hair and she pulled me out. I got the worst whipping from my mama I've ever had in my life. <laughs> there is waking up. And there's being drowsy and not responding to the voice that you heard. God's been speaking all along. Somebody help me preach right here. Some of us here, and we just kind of, he even moves the covers off of us, but we'll find a more comfortable place because we don't want to hear what the voice is saying. But Ezekiel said, uh-uh, that ain't what happened to me. He said, when he spoke, I heard. And then he said, I was lifted, I was elevated, I was raised to my feet. I come to attention and before, he can help, before we can help anyone else, folks, we have to be brought to attention. We have to be awakened. We have to be enlightened by the Spirit. That's why the Scripture says in the book of Revelations, he that hath a ear, over and over and over, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Then the first thing that the Spirit does after our awakening, he elevates us, he places us in a higher plateau. He helps us to go to another dimension. Come on, how many believes in different dimensions and realms of the Spirit? And before we can help others, we have to be elevated by the Spirit into heavenly places. That's what the book of Ephesians talks about, being elevated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where there's power, where there's favor, where there's anointing, where there is, uh, where there is an enlightenment. You see things on a, spect- a different perspective the higher you get. You begin to see things that you cannot see the higher that you get. And you begin to see things the way that God sees them when you begin to get elevated in the Spirit. And before we go out and try to carry the gospel in such a dangerous land, and such a dangerous and perilous times, we have to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This is the day of Pentecost. And before we go out there and face what we're fixing to face, we better be prepared. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to go away and that he would send them another comforter in the book of John 14. This is what he said, and that comforter, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. John 14 and 6, and I pray to the Father, and, I, and he shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot see, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he, he dwelleth with you, but the difference is, he shall be in you. There's a difference between the spirit dwelling with a church and the spirit inhabiting the church. There's a difference between you having the Spirit dwelling with you and having the Spirit inside of you. And Ezekiel said, when I heard the word of the Lord, I stood to my feet in attention, and he entered into me. He come in unto me. We need that kind of experience. Again, you remember Jesus before him leaving? This is before he died before the resurrection ever even happens. He tells the disciples in Luke 12 and 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. Don't you leave that place until you're clothed. That word endued means to be clothed upon by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, after the resurrection, the first thing that he does, he meets with them in John 20 and 22, he breathed upon them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. Again, after the resurrection in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You've heard of me, for John truly baptized in water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. In other words, prior to him leaving, he said, You go to Jerusalem and you tarry until you have the Holy Spirit. After the resurrection, he still, the message was still the same. Don't you try to do ministry and take over the world and do what I've commanded you to do without first having the experience of Pentecost. Can I have an amen? Ezekiel said, I was lifted, elevated, raised to my feet," And he said, it was an involuntary reaction. Involuntary reaction. He didn't even have time to respond to the command. He said before, I am compelled by an energy gripping me and pulling me to my feet. It's like God spoke, boom, it just happened. And a matter of fact, Ezekiel responded before he even knew what he was doing. It was a spontaneous thing. And you know what we need? We need people sensitive enough that when the Holy Spirit happens, spontaneity of the Holy Ghost can happen just like that. It's when the Spirit grips you and touches you and you react before you ever even have time to think about it. Come on, somebody. That's happened to me several times in my lifetime. I'll just tell you one of them. I was a young man, 22, 23 years old. We was in Springfield in the old uh, Springfield Church on, um, I forget the name of that road now. But anyway, we were there in a prayer conference. John Nichols was preaching. and He was preaching, and right in the middle of his preaching, man, the anointing got to moving all of a sudden, he got shaken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That place, the presence of God, felt. And when I woke up, I was dancing all over the front of the church. Didn't even know how I got there. And that place was ignited. And afterwards, my friend Russell Dotson, he told me, he said, "Kent, I want you to know, did you? I've never seen anything like that before in my life." I said, "Like what? Like what? what you done?" I said, well, "What did I do?" He said, "You don't know what you done." I said, "No, I don't know what I done. What do you mean, what I did?" He said. Man, you, 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 you didn't know what you'd done? I said, no. We were sitting way back in the kind of the middle section, and he said, you shot up out of that pew like a rocket. He said, it was just like something grabbed a hold of your feet, just shoved you up, and you landed on the top of the pew in front of you, and you ran the back of the pews. I didn't even know that it happened. We've heard of those kinds of things about in old time Pentecostal where they run the back of the pews and where they touch the old potbelly stoves when it was hot and it never scorched them or nothing. Come on. somebody, st- You say, oh, now there you're preaching crazy again. You can call me crazy, but I want to tell you, I experienced it. It was real. It was a spontaneity. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. I just reacted before I even had a chance to think about it. Because if I thought about it, I would have never done it. And too many of us are pausing and we're hesitating. The Spirit's moving. Come on. Oh, man, I ain't got time to finish this message. I hope I can preach it the way I've got it wrote because there's some powerful stuff there. I'll just get down here with you. But he says, I moved so fast that I didn't even think about what I was doing. That's where the church has got to get to. Because if you take time and pause and think about it, you'll get talked out of it. Even the gifts of the Spirit, they can become confusing and chaotic because what happens when tongues even go out, if there's a great pause, you better watch out because usually more air happens after the great pause than it just going bam and then bam. It's designed to go boom, boom. That's why I don't wait around very long like some preachers. Come on. It ain't supposed to sit there and pause and sit there and wait. There ought to be a move of the Spirit where people are, are, are obeying just like that. They have the voice of God and when God speaks, they listen. That's what God's trying to get to the church, a palace of prayer. So sensitive that when the Holy Spirit says, go. Yes, sir. I'm in attention. I'm awake. I'm standing on my feet. I'm elevated. I'm ready. Let's go. Amen. And you know what I have found out? You'll be attentive to the things that you want to be attentive to. And you'll have selective hearing in the other things that you don't really like. So our passiveness shows that we're really not interested just like the generation is in the things of God because we're not attentive. We're not ready. We're not eager. There are some of you going to sit there and say, man, we got to hurry up. We got to get to Colton's here. The state sometimes becomes more important than the meat of the word. Come on. I'm, I'm, oh, I got to watch out of our middle there. I don't have time to preach all of this message. I've done a lot of studying on it, but Ezekiel God comes to him and says, now, Ezekiel, you got a little problem here, though. He said, I want you to know, he tells them in those scriptures, he says, I want you to know that they're stubborn, they're stiff-necked, they're rebellious, they're imprudent, and he said, I want you to understand what kind of crowd you're going up to, because I don't want you to get caught up in looking to success. Whether they hear you or whether they don't, you preach anyway. He begins to tell Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, this ain't about you always feeling the glory bumps. It's not always going to be glorious. It's not always going to be fun. Can I just stop right here and say that God begins to tell Ezekiel, Ezekiel, this thing ain't about you. It's about the people. When's the church going to get that? The Holy Ghost baptism ain't here to entertain us, folks. It's here to equip us for ministry. The Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us in all truth to where we can help spread and have the anointing to break down strongholds that hold people captive and enslaved. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to set the captives free, to recover to the sight, to the blind, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To preach to them that are bruised. That's what the anointing's for. And he tells Ezekiel, Ezekiel, it's not always going to be that you're going to favor these things. This is going to be a hardship. Sometimes this thing that God commands you to do will not always be favorable and lacking to your nature. This is going over like a lead balloon. The church will never fulfill its mandate without the power of the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that nudges you and empowers you to do the things you don't like to do. Amen. Am I preaching all right, Randy? This thing's about the harvest. It's about the nation. It's about your children and your grandchildren and their future. This ain't about us dancing and woo, I'm so anointed, look at me, let me shine, let me be in the limelight. This thing is about true, hard, difficult, in the trench ministry. Just give me a class that likes me. Let me preach when it's convenient. Let me preach when I'm comfortable. I can get so sick and tired, well I just don't feel like God's called me to that. What do you mean God ain't called you to it? Get over it. Then Ezekiel says something else to him, but don't fear them. I'll make your forehead like flint, like an adamant's flint. <laughs> he said, you don't have to fear them. And then he goes, let me just read the scripture so to be more powerful to you. Listen to what he says. I'm skipping a lot of territory. Can I tell you, Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost parts, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he tells him in verse five, and, with, and, the, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will not hear, they are a rebellious house. You shall know that there's been a prophet among them. And he says, it's not about your results. It's not about success. It's not about anything. It's about letting them know that a prophet's among them. When you get up and preach, you might not feel any kind of a movement. You may not think anything's happening. You may think that I'm, I'm blowing it and there's no feeling behind it. There's no kind of signs and wonders happening. God, I've been faithful. I've been faithful, but there's no success. Here's what God says. It don't matter that you don't see it. The real question is that when you get done, they'll see it. They'll know a prophet's been in their midst when you get done. You're, this thing ain't always about personal gratification. It's not always about, you know, me feeling the, 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 you know, getting something out of it. It's about what happens to those in whom I'm preaching to. Amen. Then he goes on and he says in Ezekiel 3 and 12, but Then the Spirit took me up and I heard behind me a voice of great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from this place. Now listen to what Ezekiel says, I wasn't motivated and inspired by what I saw from the people or any kind of movement among them. But suddenly I felt the Holy Spirit picking me up. I felt his presence. I was carried with a force that was bigger than I. It was at this point that Ezekiel realized that he would not have to do this out of his own energy and own strength, but by the power of the presence of God that was upon him. This is why that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is sufficient for thee, for in my strength you are made perfect in weakness. Paul proclaims, in my weakness, then I am strong. Ezekiel said his presence was so real and so awesome that I not only have felt the effects of it, but I heard it. Does that not sound familiar? It was like a great rushing, he said. Does that not sound familiar? Acts 2, verse 1 and 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound From heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them clothing in tongues of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost to begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. You know what Ezekiel experienced there in Acts chapter in Ezekiel chapter three? A Pentecost. He heard the rushing wind. Ezekiel said, I have never felt anything like that before. It was like a rushing air, a massive movement in the realm of the invisible. It was shifting. It was the shifting of invisible things, not seen with natural eyes in the environment around me. I felt them. I knew they were there. I had enlightenment. I could hear voices saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. In other words, what Ezekiel said was, There was the glory of God in this place. Oh, God, I wish I had time to preach this. He didn't need see anything among the people to convince him something was happening. He didn't need any kind of human response. He didn't need any kind of consolation or confirmation or any kind of affirmation from human expression. He said, I didn't feel anything, but also I, I, I don't need any kind of movement among the people. He said, to know that God's doing something, I know what was happening in the spirit world. Even though I didn't see it with natural eyes, I knew it was happening because of the spirit. There are things that I have been praying about and I absolutely see no movement whatsoever with the natural, but I know they're happening. I have more faith as a pastor now than I've ever had in my life by being in the presence of God, by being in those prayer meetings, by seeking the Lord and him coming down and refreshing me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that church You say, well, man, we've been praying for four years around here and we got prayer meetings on Monday night with women, Monday night with men, Tuesday morning with the ladies prayer. We got people, cell groups praying at home. We got live groups that's praying. Why ain't we seeing things? Quit asking why and realize you are seeing things. They're happening whether you see the result of them as of yet or not. And then Ezekiel begins to say, and man, not only that, I heard winged creatures, uh, wings upon wings rubbing their bodies against each other. There was electricity. In other words, he said, I heard the cherubims and they were flying and they were angelic beings begin to become aware that they were their guard and God will send his angels to minister to you lest you dash the foot against the stone. He said, I come to realize I I ain't afraid of this woke generation. I'm not afraid of the darkness. I'm not afraid of the dangerous time. I'm not afraid of the rebellious people because he said, I come to realize greater is he that is with me than he that's in the world because I heard the wings of angels. I heard the wings of the cherub. Not only that, he said before it was over, he said I heard, the wh- I heard the sound of wheels and they were from chariots and they were no ordinary chariots. They were chariots of fire driven by spirit horses, angelic beings riding upon them. He said the heavenly host had come down and kissed earth. God's will in heaven was beginning to be performed through my ministry and I knew I was a prophet in a dark and strange land. Would you stand with me, please? That last scripture that I wanted to read to you, is Ezekiel said, and I heard the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon me. He told me to do something. I didn't want to do it, he says. I'm paraphrasing. But the Spirit picked me up and in the heat of my spirit and in the bitterness of my spirit, I went because the hand of the Lord was mightily upon me. It talks about Jesus being led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and for 40 nights. Mark didn't use the same word. Mark said he was driven by the Spirit. He didn't want to do it. Holy Spirit compelled him, drove him To do his destiny. You and I will never fulfill this mandate in awakening if we're not filled with the spirit. It takes the power of his presence. If you're going to try to enable yourself and maneuver and mechanically design everything in order to be able to be effective in this generation, you've already lost the battle. It's not by power nor by my my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. This is the day of Pentecost. Man, when I was reading about all that stuff, I got a lot more to preach on all that heavenly activity. Do you not realize while we're here right now, the heavenlies are charged? I got more faith of God protecting this church than I've ever had in the 35 years of ministry here with you as a congregation. Randy West always says, there's something moving. There's something stirring. There's something changing. There's something shifting. You better know it because I want to tell you what's happening. Heaven is getting closer to kissing earth. And God's will in heaven is about to be done. And already, already there's things going on that you can't see. You're like Ezekiel. I preach, but they don't listen. Their eyes are like barbed glares that intimidate. Showing no sign whatsoever of conviction. No sign of change. Their minds are set like stubborn people. They're scorpions. They're defiant. They're mean. They're angry at me when I preach. They sit there and and, and they're like thorns and briars trying to choke the word so it won't become fruitful. Everything. They hate me. They oppose me. They fight against me. They war against me. But he said, I don't care. I don't have to have a response for them to know that I'm successful. I don't have to have any kind of human affirmation or expression. Why? Because I've been in the presence of God and I know what's in the heavenlies and I know what God's doing. Though I don't see it with the natural, I see beyond the natural into the spirit realm and I see the hand of God moving like I've never seen him move before. Ezekiel said, I heard the wings. I know they're there. i seen the war chariots. Oh, Hallelujah. I seen God's army ready for battle and they were being unleashed on the earth as a result of me. They were ministering on my behalf. When I preached to that crowd, they wasn't just dealing with me. They were dealing with cherubims and seraphims and angels and chariots and horses. And uh, they were dealing with the Holy Spirit. They were dealing with God himself. And before it was done, Israel knew that day that a prophet had been among them. It wasn't just in a day, it was over a season. Ezekiel didn't always like it. He had to be driven to some things. He had to be pushed by the Holy Spirit into some things. I say it, and I know what we mean, and I agree with it, that God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. There's a little twist to that right there. I want to tell you, he makes me do a lot of things I don't want to do. But his hand is so strong upon me that I'm compelled by the Spirit to obey him. Even though I don't want to obey him, I obey him. And the result is that if I obey him, I will have the results that he set out to accomplish. Can I have an amen? I want to encourage you as a congregation here this morning. Seek the Spirit of God like you have never sought him before. Get under the burden of the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing things out of people. I'm not going to mention their names. But I've seen somebody that's very dear to me the other day. And I seen such an anointing and a glory on them. I thought, wow, look where God's elevated them. They have become awake. And I've seen them praying and interceding and 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 and, and just Travelling in the spirit over some people around the altar. And I've never seen that kind of spiritual activity before in my life in their life. And I thought, oh my, God, stirring. And I don't think these guys will matter. When I see a Craig Reynolds who's just on fire, I see an Andrew Persons that's on fire coming out from where they come from. It's nothing more than the Holy Spirit, the empowerment. But they don't know this. Well, they do know it. They had praying people that were praying over them. And there were times that those praying people never seen a sign of anything. Never seen a sign of, oh, I, I ask sometimes, uh, what's going on in Craig's life? What's going on in Andrew's life? And they'd say, man, this thing's just getting worse. They're not getting any better. Oh, yes, they were, and we just didn't know it. Come on, somebody. And it didn't, <laughs> you talking about a turnaround, when the turnaround happened, it happened just like that. And can I tell you these dark things that you're up against that's hopeless, and you're saying there is just no hope. You don't understand. You don't understand how bleak this is. You just don't understand how dark and how evil. And you don't understand the attack. You don't understand the pit, how deep it is. You don't understand the chains, how how big they are. You don't understand the pressure. You know what? I don't have to. All I know is there's a shifting in the heavenlies before there's the shifting on the earth. And God has done decreed and God has done declared. I am declared and I am declared as the palace of praise passed, by hearing from the unction of the Holy Spirit, we're about to have a revival around here that you and I do cannot even comprehend. Your loved ones are going to be saved. Things are going to happen, but we have to obey the Spirit. I'm going to invite, and we we're not going to tarry long. But I want I want to invite everybody up front. Everybody that can come, that can come. If you can't, that's okay. We understand because. Backs, knees, different ailments, blindness. I just want you to unify with me in one thing today. Come closer, everybody get close, jam in here. I don't want you to just hear, I want you to listen. I want you to discern. I want you to come awake. I want you to come attentive. You've heard my message, but I want you to do more than hear it. I want it to register with you. I want you to understand. I want you to be alert and awake. Be sober. Be vigilant. I want you to come in an agreement with me. And on the day of Pentecost, they were in one place and one accord, and one mind and one accord. They were. Bound together in unity. They were unified in unity. They had one cause, one main goal seek the Holy Spirit. And right now, this is a season for the Palace of Praise. Before we take on this adventure to take Papa Bluff by storm, we got to be filled with the Spirit again. We got to be awakened. Bill Marvin, can I share the testimony that you gave me in the council? He said he hadn't been touched by the Holy Spirit like he did last Sunday night when Brother Randy preached that message in years and years. He said, I don't even know if I've ever been touched like that. The Holy Spirit slayed him. He said, who caught me? No one caught him. He said, it was like a blanket. They just laid him down. He said, the Lord done a work of me, he said, I experienced Pentecost all over again. And Bill is pushing 130 years old. And his gray airs, you know what that means? there's still purpose. He's alive, isn't he? God wants to revisit the vision of old men, the dreams of old men. He got filled on the day of Pentecost. Later on, they got refilled again, and later on, they got refilled. We don't just need one outpouring, we need multiple outpourings, refreshing from the presence of God. What we are challenged with, with Generation X and Generation Y, and the generate the millennials that are still alive, that over 50%, right at 50% of them, 48% of them don't even believe in God and don't care. They're the one raising the children. What kind of a society are we going to have? We cannot penetrate that in our own ingenuity. We can't overcome. I look at these young couples that's got children. I look at my grandchildren I think, where are we going to be when old man Kent's in the grave? What are they going to be faced with? What's my boys going to face? And I can tell you what they're going to face. They're going to face persecution and turmoil like you have never seen if something don't shift and something don't change. And it's going to take a church getting serious and believing in the spirit realm to the point that God I don't have to have your affirmation or the people's affirmation. I don't have to have them validate my ministry. I don't have to have success. I don't have to see anything movable. I'm going to obey your truth and be a witness to your word. And I'm going to let the results just say on you. And where I'm going to get my affirmation is getting in the heavenly realm with you, being in the Spirit. Mark chapter 3, I believe it is, it says this. I'm paraphrasing, but it says this. And Jesus called him, 12 men along, called them to be with him and anointed them to be with him for them to go out and to preach his word and cast out devils and heal the sick. And the only things that we faith, we Pentecostals focus on is God has anointed him to go out and preach and God's anointed him to go out and heal the sick and God's called him to cast out devils. But that ain't what he was called to do at all. That was a result of his calling but it says that he had called them to come and be with him. Your calling is not to cast out demons, heal the sick, do all those. That that's the result of your calling, the end result. Your calling is that God has called you to come along and be with Him, and being with Him then will cause those things to automatically happen. These signs shall follow the believer. If we believe and if we're in him, they'll just follow us. We don't seek for them. They're a part of who we are. They're a part of our DNA. God's calling us right now to seek him for the spirit. Would you do that with me right now? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Ask God to say, God, I'm hungry for the spirit.